Now, look what he says there in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 53. Who hath believed our report? In the New Testament, in the book of Romans, it talks about, and who hath believed the gospel? So what he's saying here in chapter 53 is the gospel story. And he says, who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord? That is a reference to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For in verse 2, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Talking about Jesus Christ was going to be born into this world. Then he makes a statement there in verse 5. And notice that he is going to be a substitute. And he says in verse 5, for he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. Chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes. We are healed. And then look at us. We, in verse 6, are like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. The Lord hath laid on him, his righteous servant, the iniquity of us all. So he had someone who was righteous, who was perfect, and God was going to take the iniquity of all the world and place it upon this innocent one, and he would die and make a payment for our sins. Go now to Isaiah 61. Isaiah chapter 61. When Jesus Christ came, it states in the book of Luke that he quoted from Isaiah 61 and verse 1. In verse 1, he simply makes this statement, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, open of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And in the book of Luke, he sat down because the last part of that verse is to be fulfilled when he comes back the second time. So this is a statement about Jesus Christ in advance. Now look what he says here in verse 10. Isaiah 61, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garment of salvation. He clothed me with salvation. And get this. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Look up here. God says our righteousness is as filthy rags. And that God will take and put to our account. When you and I believe on Jesus Christ, he puts his robe of righteousness upon us. So if he was to give me his robe of righteousness, it would make me as righteous as God. When God looks to find Yankee, he finds me having the righteousness of Christ. He doesn't see my filthy rags. Because his son made a wonderful deal. He took all of my sins. And all I had to do was believe that he did it for me and he would give me his robe of righteousness. So if God gave me his robe of righteousness, when God sees me, he sees Christ. And when he sees Christ, I'm perfect and righteous in God's eyes. I'm going to heaven on his righteousness, not my righteousness. No man goes to heaven on his righteousness. God will give you the righteousness you need to go to heaven on, and that it is free. So look at number four, the righteousness of God imputed. It means put to one's account by faith alone. Because if it's not by works, it cannot be by anything added to faith. 
It means there's nothing you can do as far as a good deed to merit God's righteousness. Because, you see, there isn't anything that you can do that would be righteous. We have no righteousness. Therefore, it is by faith, and faith alone can't have anything included with it. So look there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Turn in your Bible. You've got to see this. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. And look what he says here in verse 18. Verse 18. So important to see what the Word of God has to say. This is on page 1233, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. And he said, All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself. Now look up here. In the book of Isaiah, it made the statement, Your sins have separated between you and God. Separated us. And therefore... We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It means we can get with God. But how is this possible? What separated us was our sins. So what God did was do something about the sin problem. And you didn't have to do anything about it. There wasn't anything you could do about it. And stopping your drinking and smoking and lying and dipping and chewing doesn't take away your sins. It doesn't correct all the ones you've already done. It doesn't remove the sins of the mind. It doesn't remove the old sinful nature. Every person here, you have an old sinful nature. You are capable, listen to me, you are capable of every sin in the book. All of them. You say, well, I'd never do that. Don't you dare say that. I've lived long enough to see what people say. I'll never do that. Do it. And you are capable of it. You may restrain yourself, but that desire for sin dwells inside of you. You have an old sinful nature. God never took it away. Don't deceive yourself. You still get mad and angry and bitter and filled with jealousy and envy and malice. And you name the sin and you're capable. Now, I know there's a lot of preachers today that like to make everybody feel good, and they never mention sin. But if I can't talk about sin, I can't talk about the Savior. That's why you need a Savior. Because of a dirty word called sin. You say, well, what is sin? Well, whatever it is, you did it. (laughs) Because it says, all have sinned and come short of God's perfection. And we are guilty. And we have no righteousness of our own to demand salvation from God. Say, Lord, you've got to let me in because I I sung in the choir. I took up the offering. I even kept some of it. No, no. (laughs) You can say whatever you want, but you don't get to heaven because of your good deeds. So understand that. So he says here in verse 18, All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now get this. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. In other words, you did the wrong, but he didn't put that wrong that you did to you. He took and put the wrong that you and I did and imputed it 
to Christ. He bore all the sins of all the world. Now look what he says down here in verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Look up here. Let me just show you a simple illustration. This is you and me. This is sin. We all have sin on us. God, he loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. Now, to go to heaven, we have to be as righteous as God. And nobody's righteous. Not one. We've all sinned. And we're all condemned. And that means that we are condemned to a literal fire burning hell. That's why you need a Savior. Why are we going to hell? Because we've all sinned. If there's anything that I want people who come to this church to hear, there is a thing that we do called sin and it's wrong. And that there's a place called hell and I don't want to go there, but it's a literal fire burning hell and nothing in the world is going to take that away and I can't sugarcoat it any better than what the Word of God does and it doesn't sugarcoat it. That's why we need a Savior, someone to save us from our sins and from our destiny, which is hell. So God says He loves us, wants us to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, we've got to be perfect, no sin. And because of sin, we can't get in. So God says, you cannot save yourself. Being saved, going to heaven, is not by your works. That's why in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, because you don't have any. All of your righteousness is no good. So God doesn't let you go to heaven because, well, you mean well, and you're sincere, and you go to church, and you love your kids, and you love your wife or your husband, and you pay your bills. That has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with going to heaven. And yet most people believe that whenever you die, he puts your good works on one side, all your bad works on the other side. And whichever outweighed the other determines where you're going to go. That's not the Bible. That's religion. That's not in the Bible. The Bible simply says you have no good works. You cannot save yourself. And God doesn't want your help. He doesn't need your help. And this is why he makes it so clear. In this verse, this is... Jesus Christ, for he, God, hath made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So what he did is, my sins are not imputed to me. They were put to his account, and he paid for them. And God wants me to believe that he did it for me. And when I believe that, something will happen. He will give me his robe of righteousness. And I said this the other night. If he gave me his robe of righteousness, did you see it? Huh? Did you see it? You didn't see it? You don't see it, but see, I have on a robe of righteousness. Have you ever seen a saint before? I am a saint. Not Bernard, I'm, but I'm a saint. It means I have been made pure and holy, and set apart, I belong to the Lord. I have been given a robe of righteousness. Now God in heaven can look down upon everyone and spot everyone that has on his robe of righteousness. And when he gives you that robe of righteousness, nobody can take it away. 
You can't get rid of it because it's permanent. And so that's why he makes the statement. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world because he loved us. Took our sin, paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead and said, if we would believe he did it for us, he'd give us eternal life as a free gift. See, the sin has to be paid before God can give you eternal life. Sin has to be paid before he can give you this robe of righteousness. The sin had to be paid. Now, he already did that. There's only one thing that needs to be done now, and that's for you and I to believe it. Now, look here in your Bible to the book of Philippians in chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, very quickly. Chapter 3, verse 9, look what he says in verse 9. This is on page 1259. He says, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness. What does the Bible say? Don't be caught trusting in your works for your salvation. Don't be found trusting in your salvation by your works. And yet that's where most people are. That's what they're dependent on. And yet they're going to good independent Bible-believing missionary-minded Baptist churches and all kinds of churches and Bible churches and they haven't got a clue where they're going to go when they die. They're trusting in their works. And they're really going to be in for a surprise. And look what he says here. And be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. There is a by works righteousness which God does not accept. Then there is a by faith righteousness which God wants you to accept. See. God doesn't want the righteousness we send up. He wants us to accept the righteousness he sent down. There's a difference. And so by accepting the righteousness he sent down, then we get to go up. You understand that? Now, look in Romans in chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Make sure you look at your scriptures. And I will say this. Majority of preachers do not understand this. They do not get it. And they'll tell you that what you need to do to be saved is you need to turn from your sin. What does that mean? It means stop being bad. Do you have to stop being bad? Turn from your sin. Stop being bad. You have to stop being bad for God to save you. Duh, that's the problem. You can't. It's impossible. Like asking a dog. You stop acting like a dog, I'll make you a cat. <laughs> it's impossible. A dog is a dog. That's what it is. Now look here in Romans in chapter 4. And look in verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for what? Righteousness. In other words, by faith I can have a righteousness given to me. And not one that I have to earn. I don't have to earn it. There is a by faith righteousness, which if I will believe, he'll give it to me. The righteousness that I need to go to heaven. And look what he says in verse 6. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth what? Righteousness without works. While ago when we were talking about Christ, he would not impute our trespasses to us. He put that to him. And when you and I believe, he takes his righteousness and imputes that, puts it to our account, to us. 
by faith and faith alone. Then he says here in verse 22, And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But look in verse 24. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. It means you don't have it yet. If we believe, you do. If you will believe it, he will impute his righteousness to your account. Christ paid for the sins of all the world. That's been done. He's not going to do it again. But the righteousness is not put to your account. That payment's not credited to you until you believe that he did it for you. And once you believe that he did it for you, he gives to you as a free gift everlasting life. Now, you need to see this in Romans chapter 3. Just turn to your left. Look now in verse 21. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The Old Testament talked about this righteousness that will be given, not by the law, without the law. You can have it. And so he says in verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is, get this, by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all. All them that, what? That believe. Look up here. God's righteousness that you need to go to heaven on is unto all, but it's only upon those that believe. If you don't believe it, His righteousness isn't given to you, and you will spend eternity from God in hell. That's a choice that people make. You cannot earn it. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. It's a free gift. It has nothing to do with coming to church. You don't go to church to go to heaven. You don't give money to go to heaven. You're not buying God by your good deeds. Just because you're a good husband won't get you into the pearly gates. Loving your children will not help you get one inch closer to the gates of heaven. You are 100% lost. If you've never accepted Christ and Him alone as your only hope of going to heaven. You can't trust the preacher. You can't trust the church. You can't trust yourself. You can only trust the true and living God. And that's why when we talk about, will you trust Christ? Christ is God. And He made a payment for the sins of the world. And will you trust Him? And if you'll trust Him, He will give you as a free gift everlasting life. Now, I've got a couple of verses that I want to show you before we close. Look in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. And look in verse 9. Verse 9. He says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The unrighteous is the lost. They're unrighteous. The righteous will inherit the kingdom of God. But am I righteous because I live better than someone else? No. Are they unrighteous because they don't live as good as me? No. You see, we were all unrighteous. There is none good, no, not one. There's none righteous, not one. All have sinned. But the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And look what he says. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's the first birth. 
That's the flesh. That's the lost man. He cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This is why Jesus told him, told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God and you cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So when you believe on Christ, something happens. Something happens. And this is why he says in verse 11, And such were some of you, but you're washed, you are sanctified, you are justified by your works. No, but because you have been given his righteousness. There's the unrighteous, and he's not going to go to heaven. There's the righteous, that's those who have trusted Christ as their Savior. It doesn't mean that you live righteous because you have been declared righteous. It's like you've gone into a court of law and you were found guilty and then uh, somebody has declared you righteous. That's the best thing in all the world is when you understand that. I have been declared by God of the universe. I am free from all my sins. I don't deserve that. I deserve to go to hell and I know it. I've had people even tell me to go there. But I can't honor them. I can't go to hell. I can't go today. I can't go tomorrow. Why? Because I have been declared righteous. I don't have any sins to pay for. They're all paid. He has taken my sins, and they were imputed to him. And he has had his righteousness imputed to me. I'm going to heaven on his righteousness, not mine. But yes, I do believe that every child of God who has been declared righteous should seek to live a righteous life by the power of the Holy Spirit that God has given to us to live for Him. And that's another sermon. I wish I could preach for two hours, then I could get the other half of the message always in there. But I don't like to confuse my message. I'm talking about one main thing today, and that was who are the righteous if none are righteous? Only those that are in Christ. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, God gave to you the free gift everlasting life, and you go to heaven on what Jesus Christ has done for you. Now, this is why God does want us to live the way we should. I want to explain one of these days about Lot, because Lot was considered a righteous man living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And remember the thing that Abraham had done? He said, Lord, if there's 50 righteous there, well, what if there's only 40? Oh, well, what about 30? Oh, what about 20? What about 10? God had a man there that was considered a righteous man. Righteous not because of his life. He was a righteous man for one reason. Because he had a robe of righteousness put to his account. And... If he had won, a few more people could have spared that whole place. But he didn't. And yet he was a righteous man who vexed his soul from day into day with their unlawful deeds. So there's a, a message there that we'll cover at a different time. But anyway, if you're here this morning and you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want you to see how you get to be made righteous by faith alone. So what do I have to do? Right where you are. In your own mind. While you're looking at me. In your own mind. You can say. 
that makes sense. I believe he did it for me. And right now, I will accept Christ as my Savior. I want his righteousness put to my account. I want to know that I'm going to heaven whenever I die. And God says, if you'll believe it. Will you believe that? How many of you in here know positively, beyond a shove it up, you have the robe of righteousness put to your account? Let me see your hand. All right, put a hand down. If you're not sure, I want you to see, there's a lot of people in here that know they have. Are they better than you? No, they might even be a lot worse. But it's because they made one wise decision in their life. They realized they couldn't save themselves and not fooling themselves and trying. Isn't that a, that's like a man climbing a ladder for 20 years and find it's leaning on the wrong wall and people are trying to work their way to heaven. It won't work. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. I hope that what I've said will help clarify this in your mind just a little bit more. But if you've never trusted Christ, and you'll do it this morning, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to let me know by an uplifted hand, but not yet. Raising your hand does not save you. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where you're sitting. You say, preacher, that made sense to me. I understand it. I can't save myself. I want to go to heaven, and I need his righteousness put to my account. And right now, I will believe that he did it for me. And friend, if you will believe that, you can know that you're saved, know that you're going to heaven, not because of any good deeds that you've done or ever will do. It's because of what he did for you. So if you will right now, will you trust him? And if you are doing that for the first time, you've never done it before, but you'll do it right now. So preacher, that made sense, and I'd like you to pray for him. Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is there anyone at all? Yes, God bless you, buddy. Anyone else? Just slip it up, put it right back down. There's no tricks to it, no gimmicks. Anyone else? We have all sinned. We all need a Savior. I've trusted Christ. I want you to. I want you to go to heaven. Anyone else? Yes, God bless you. Yes. You that are watching by internet, right there on the screen, you can just tap it, click on it, say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior today. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you've done for us. And help us always remember, when you died, you died to pay for our sins. You had none. We thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen.